Hello and welcome to Ernie Ball's Striking a Chord podcast. I'm Evan Ball. Today we have the story so far on the show. Three of them, actually. We have Kevin, Will, and Kellen, guitar, guitar, bass. So we'll talk about how they all go way back growing up and playing music together. In some cases, all the way back to playing intermissions at seventh grade plays. We talk about Pure Noise Records, the label they've, they've been on from the beginning and sort of grown in tandem with. They reflect on the success they've achieved. They talk about getting along as a band, hanging out at the mall on days off, and more. Sound is a little rough at times, but without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the story so far. Kevin, Will, and Kellen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. All right. So I know you guys are are from Walnut Creek. Uh, Where are you guys now? I'm in Berkeley, California. Okay, so that's Will, so our listeners can try to pair names and voices. How about you, Kevin? I'm in uh, Los Angeles, California. And Kellen? And I'm in Austin, Texas. Oh, dang. Okay. You guys are all split up. Yeah, it's kind of uh, sad, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so how <laughs> how are you guys passing the time in the age of COVID-19? <laughs> well, today I got a new kitchen table, and yesterday I got an AC unit so i've been doing a lot of uh interior decorating i guess you could say there you go i think everyone's going to come out of this with just pristine closets and fresh paint on the walls that's that's funny i've been uh well funny enough i was doing paint projects before this all kicked off and now i just have nothing but time to get it all done so i thankfully too had a mask because i was already painting so now i wear it in in the house (laughs) and i wear it out of the house there you go yeah all right. Any time for music at this point? Yeah. Trying to. I mean, n- nothing but time, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. I get, I've gotten bored of playing guitar. Always. Really? Yeah. Kind of. I, I think I just like tell myself to keep playing every day and then I hit a wall and I'm like, I don't even want to look at you. So it looks like you have some guitars on the wall. So it's easy to just, just pick them up when you're sitting around and, yeah, and start I, strumming. I put those up the other day. Oh, nice. That looks good. Inspired well. by Kev. There you go. I did. I hung a guitar as well the other day. You might you might know that one right there if you can see it. Oh, it looks like a uh, Ernie Ball Music Man Stingray. That is. It actually matches my bed frame, so it's perfect. That's, that's awesome. That's hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get some history. So, when did you guys first start playing music together? Our first show was like 2007. Yeah. And uh, myself and our original guitarist Kevin Ambrose started jamming when we were in like eighth grade. So that was like early 2007. And then we met Ryan Torf and he started drumming with us. And then I knew Kellen through high school and he started jamming with us. And then when Kevin Ambrose went away to college, we got Will in the picture. Okay. And you already knew Will, right? Did you guys go to high school together? We I grew up in the well. same neighborhood. Me and Kellen were actually in a band together in middle school. We, we were oh. in our first, yeah, my first band. Yeah, together. my first band, yeah. <laughs> and we uh, we kicked Will out. <laughs> what did he do? Uh, he he plagiarized a song. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also just yeah. didn't do my homework, so my parents wouldn't let me practice. So if I couldn't practice, I couldn't really be in a band. Yeah, so there yeah. was... 
there was strife. There was strife at home and at school with. The, but I also plagiarized the song. I lied and I said I wrote a riff. And then later that night, Kellen goes home, <laughs> and oh turns God. the TV on, and sees the music video for said song. I I just think it's like it was just a really funny story because he came in with this song and it was like we were like oh my god how is this guy writing songs this good you know (laughs) our songs kind of sucked and then I I literally went home and turned on the TV and then heard the song we had just wrote together (laughs) which was which was so funny to me true story was it how how close to it. Was it? Was it like? It a, was it. Oh, it was, it was, it was yeah. just the actual riff. I had okay. like learned it on tabs earlier, probably. That I was week. like, "This is crazy." We just wrote that song, and it's already on TV. That's pretty funny. So, what are some of these early band names? This was um, Admit, Admit One. One. Yeah, it was called Admit okay. One, and then I think there was a brief moment where it was called Mass Hysteria. <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah. I saw you guys play the intermission at the seventh grade play. We did. I think that was, I think we played two intermissions at the school and that was, I think that was the end of our career. So. Uh, good for you though. Seventh <laughs> yeah. grade. That's pretty early. Yeah. Those are actually decent band names. I was hoping for worse. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I was in a band called Expedition of the Mind. So I'll cover the bad band names for nice. you. Nice. And I actually, I believe I messaged you guys on MySpace to play drums for you guys. You did, and I, I, I don't know what happened. I think we uh, already found a drummer by then. And you were like this weird guy reaching out to us yeah. online trying to play drums. I just, I just wanted to be in bands. So, was... well, that's cool. You guys have such such early connections. So, so when does the story so far come about? A few years later, not that much later. I was in eighth grade, and I'm a year behind these guys. So when they were doing seventh grade plays, I was in sixth grade watching them, and then. Eighth grade came around, and like I said, I met our original guitarist, and we just kind of started jamming. Not more than a year after that, we were playing shows. Nice. So what are the, what do these early gigs look like? First one was good. First few were pretty sick. We played at Blake's in Berkeley, which is no longer a venue, I don't think. But uh, Kevin Ambrose's older brother was in Set Your Goals, which is another like pop-punk hardcore band from the East Bay. So we jumped on like their shows in Berkeley and such. And that was kind of how we got our foot in the door for this whole scene. And you guys are what, 15, 16? Yeah, I wasn't driving at the time. I think Kellen was the, f- the only driver. I think license. Will was actually, because I actually, I didn't get my license until I was like 17. True. Yeah. Will, you had the old Volvo. I had the Volvo, but I wasn't even in the band. I was there as a attendee of the concert. Yeah, this, this is super embarrassing. Uh, well, A, I didn't have a car at the time, but B, I failed my written portion of my driver's test like six times. Dang, I didn't know that because <laughs> I'd always change the answer to the like what people actually do answer instead of the like law. <laughs> you know, so it'd be like it'd be like the it'd be like the speed limit is seventy miles per hour. Do you go seventy miles per hour or the flow of traffic? I'd be like the flow of traffic, and then I'd not right. get my license. So. You're too honest. So, so what kinds of bands are you playing with? Like, what's the, is there a scene you're, you're in during high school? It was a lot of like pop punk bands, a lot of like, you know, hardcore kind of beat down bands, just all over the map, kind of wherever we could play and whoever with. Yeah, that was, that was happening while we were kind of doing the local scene stuff. I think well, it's funny. Will and I actually connected because we were both wearing less than Jake shirts. We both liked a lot of punk bands, and there was a lot of 
there was actually really good local bands in our scene too. There was this band called Interpret This. And, you know, it's funny because those bands never went on to become anything, but to us, you know, being young and impressionable and seeing these kids that were not too much older than us doing things that we wanted to do, largely inspirational, I think, to us. So just a lot of punk, punk music in the, in the mix at that time. Yeah, and being that young, I would think you'd have a lot of impressed fellow high school students. Did you have? Do you have a loyal friend base? Being that young, playing all these gigs here and there, yeah, I feel that it was a little bit the opposite at times. Where it was like, oh, that's cute. You guys are in a band. That was more the. Uh, it's almost okay. yeah. It's yeah, it kind of like shock value. You're like, oh, that that's what happens at your shows. Wow, that's that's scary. You're like, mm, sure. Were you playing high school parties too, or even at school? No, I don't, I don't even think no. I went to a high school party. Okay. <laughs> That's not true. We did play one birthday like party. One. Yeah, no, it's funny. It's like, I think people thought it was kind of like silly or goofy, you know, like, hey, come to our show. And they're like, oh, it's not my scene. And then when we started actually becoming, like when things got legitimate, then I would get text messages like, oh my God, I see your band all the time or you guys are coming here. And I'm like, yeah, I remember when I, Right, right. I asked you to yeah. come to our show, and you're like, That's, "That sounds like it sucks." And, I think in high school we were playing like a lot of like churches that would like host shows and like weird like barns and just like random shit that like nope nobody in our high school ever wanted to go and hang out there. Yeah, yeah okay. that's true. It was. I mean, it would be kind of a weird thing to walk into if you didn't know what you were walking into. Just like going to like a DIY punk or hardcore show would be kind of a shock. I think if you just like had no idea. So did you guys face a crossroads after high school? Was there, was there a band versus college dilemma? To a degree. Uh, I, well, I think everyone did at least community college. Uh, Ryan and I both missed a year of touring. He was a, was a UC Santa Barbara. Yeah. And then I was at Sonoma state and then uh, BYU. Cause I, well, I graduated three years before Ryan was even going to graduate. So I kind of went to school just knowing he wasn't even going to be out of high school for a couple of years. Yeah, we were all kind of separated by age by a year or two. So by the time like Will and Kellen had graduated, they were doing their college thing. And then me and Parker graduated and kind of just like we're working jobs until Ryan graduated. I think the goal was like, was, was pretty minimal of like, let's put out a record. Let's go and tour the States. And then, like, that was with Kellen doing that summer tour. We had a fill-in drummer because yeah. Ryan had kind of just been like, I want to record, and that's it. And we're like, cool, see ya. Thank you. We had fun. And then uh, we kept getting tour offers for, like, you know, during what would be a school term. Some of us just said, fuck school. We'll go and tour because this opportunity only comes once. And so everyone kind of said, Hey, I still want to be in the band, but I need to finish the school thing. So a few of us went off touring, a few stayed behind and did some school until it got to a point where we needed everyone in the band. And I think everybody wanted to actually go on tour and be in the band and like, just go for it, make it. Full and it, it was probably apparent at that point that there was actually a road forward for you guys. Things were happening. There was opportunity. So you weren't leaving college with, with nothing. You were it looked like a, a maybe a promising future. I don't know how Ryan felt about it. I, I was like already committed. I was kind of stuck in this, like I'd already paid and done all this stuff. So like I kind of was in a position where I kind of had to go or just like 
waste a bunch of money I couldn't pay back. It was a long year because these guys were touring and I just remember, I, it was a weird year because I knew I was going to drop out at the end of it and I just had to complete this year. And I think I immediately went to England the day, it was like a week after I dropped out. I feel like we were like already going to England and things were definitely materializing. There were, we were getting legitimate tour offers throughout that whole time. Yeah, I think it took a, a couple tours for us to be like, oh, we could actually like keep doing this. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's move over to Pure Noise Records. How did this come about? Because I think you both kind of teamed up on the on the ground floor of each other's projects, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we knew Jake through like the music scene. He was in bands. And, what uh, was his band again? Radio Suicide. Radio Suicide. Radio Suicide. <laughs> yeah, we, and, played, we played shows together. Yeah. And, and think, this is, this is uh, Jake Round, the founder of... Uh, Pure Noise Records. He was in, he was in a band uh, called Radio Suicide. Okay. I can't really... I'm trying to remember what kind of band they were, but... They're kind of like screamo, screamo but yeah. a little more like punk. I, don't know. I was gonna say screamo, but I didn't. I didn't know what kind of impression that would leave on people. <laughs> Aggressive, but yeah, he had he had communicated with us, you know, that he was looking to start a record label and was interested in putting out stories of farce music. And we didn't know anybody in the music industry. We didn't even know what like a record deal really meant or was. And we just, you know, hey, you're our friend. Sounds cool. Let's do it. How much older is he uh, than you guys? Probably like seven years older, six years older okay. than us. Maybe not yeah. that much. Yeah. I, I'm not sure how old Jake is. I remember getting the first contract and Kevin being super paranoid about it and giving it to Mike, his brother, who was in Set Your Goals because they had had a really bad experience with a, with a record contract. And so I remember getting that and then just really scrutinizing it. But we ultimately uh, signed it, and we're, we still are owned by Jake Round. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so you record after signing with Pure Noise, and then how does your music get out to the people initially? Facebook. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's like MySpace, Facebook. The tours that we were doing, or like the small little runs of shows. Did you hit the road pretty quickly after the first record, first recording? I think we left. Yeah, that came out when we were on tour. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Okay. And within the space of that tour, we went from like opening the show to like closing by the end of the show. It was pretty much like a, a pretty exponential rise within those. Yeah. We saw it happen in real time. It was pretty apparent something was happening. So if, if you guys had to speculate, what do you think accounts for your relatively quick success? Songs, stage presence? Definitely not stage presence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in a, in a, I think it's pretty isolated because the only thing we could rely on, you know, interesting people to come out to the shows was the album we had just released. So in a funny way, it kind of went viral. Like a lot of people just shared it and then it just caught their attention. And then uh, we just, we were on the road at that time. So, I mean, we just saw as the shows progressed, more people kind of coming and going. It was, That's awesome. So it's basically word of mouth. Just, album. Yeah. 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 That's all I could think it would be. So, were, were there other sort of periods where you had a big boost in popularity? If you look back across all your your years, I think locally there was a time when like it came to a point where it was like, "Holy shit, there's people here to see our band." But I think it was around that same time of that record coming out, like maybe early 2011. Yeah, of all that kind of just heating up. Yeah, so it seems like you. You guys, you guys grew in tandem with Pure Noise. hundred percent. Was there a temptation to go to to go to a bigger label 
at some point? Not really. Or you guys feel like you grew together and, and it worked well? We trusted him and we still do. And that was like a big part of why we felt the need to stay with him versus like feeling a need to go bigger. We had kind of seen from our peers and like people we looked up to of like going to a bigger label and losing kind of your identity and having somebody else create it for you. Whereas Jake was our friend and he was willing to let us, you know, orchestrate uh, our lives and careers the way we wanted to. It's funny. Cause if anything, I think if I remember correctly, Jake came to us and was like, I don't know if I can handle this. That's correct. He was kind of trying to suggest other labels for us just because I think he had this moment where he felt like things were getting too big for, for him. I think he was managing us at the same time. It came down to like, he said it was a conflict of interest to run the record label as well as be like our acting manager. So it's kind of like, I can either continue to put out your records on Pure Noise or I can get you on another label and continue to manage you. So, so we spoke to a few labels and then ultimately just ended up getting a different manager and sticking with Pure Noise. All right. I have, a, I have a few random questions here. You guys found success fairly early on, as we talked about, basically from high school on. So after a, a decade or so of road life, adoring fans, traveling the world, how have all these experiences changed you guys? Uh, Let's get I deep. mean, uh, I feel like I'm living out my, you know, my dream from when I was a kid. And uh, I'd say it's made me that much more grateful for like any opportunity that I've been given and grateful for the life that I've been able to live. Yeah. yeah I think I have to remind myself of that most days of like, that is how we were able to make money to like live on our own and just kind of have our own lives. And we've never really had to compromise that. So we're very lucky. And uh, it's definitely for me, at least it's a struggle to like remember that on a day to day basis, but it is, it's an incredible opportunity we were able to have for sure. So was it easier, easier to realize that when it was first happening or, or now after you've had some, some time to, to live it? I think now, I think in the time and like in the moment, I had no idea what the fuck was going on. <laughs> yeah. You know, just, you're just kind of in the moment and it's so fast paced that there's no time to kind of like, and you're so young, there's kind of no time or understanding to like, take a step back and like appreciate it until, you know, years and years later, at least for me. Yeah. I think, I think it's easier to hear from other people too. Cause I think at the end of the day, we all go home to ourselves and it's not, it's hard to sometimes recognize your impact or the influence of what you do because you kind of separate it from your personal life after a, a long tour, years of touring, I guess. I don't know. It's probably easier to, get a sense of the impact from other people on the outside. Cause you're, it's hard when you're kind of living inside of it, your perspective anyway. Do any of you have a, a happiest band moment? I do remember on that, the note of the last question, I was, there was like one moment when Will and I had first bought our van and we were like smoking weed in the van or something. And I had just kind of had the, uh, just a weird realization. I was like, this could be it. This is like what we want to do and we're doing it. So like, I'd be really sick if this all worked out. And then there's kind of ever since then that moment is stuck in my mind of like, well, it's all in our power. We just got to do it and keep doing it. And that's kind of a, 
it's a reassuring thing because we've kind of just done it ourselves since day one. Yeah. And continue to be able to do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, I don't know. There's definitely moments where it hits you. This is, I guess, relevant to, uh, this podcast. I, I think this is really cool. Cause, uh, when I was growing up and buying strings from my instruments, you'd get the Ernie ball packages and they'd always have, they list all the bands on the back, all these cool bands. Right. And I remember the day that ours got listed on there and just thinking that was so fucking cool. Just like a little thing, but just being like, it's, it's weird because when you're on the inside of it, like for whatever reason, even if things are super legit, they just, they kind of just don't feel that way. Cause it's like you and these friends of yours who've kind of done this thing. And yeah, I, I just thought that was cool. That is, that is awesome. I, I like hearing yeah. that. I mean, that's some pretty good company on that string pack. No, I know. Yeah, seeing your name next to like Jimmy Page and Van Halen <laughs> and stuff is pretty yeah. cool. There's yeah. little moments like that. Uh, you know, yeah. I hate to to downplay the moment and saying it's not. It wasn't my happiest moment of being in the band, but it was certain. It was certainly a, a happy <laughs> one. Yeah, I think just like playing shows too and actually seeing people respond was like a, a cool step up from just being like a band in high school and like playing local shows and like, that's like your thing to seeing that people actually cared about it. Each of us remember, you know, individually from others, just having that, uh, this level of energy that just seems impossible that it's, you know, because of something you did. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back with more from the story so far. Check out Ernie Ball's new VP Junior tuner pedal, the perfect two-in-one pedal combining Ernie Ball's world-renowned super rugged volume pedal with a super fast and accurate chromatic tuner with an enhanced definition touchscreen. Available in silver, red, white, and black, visit ernieball.com to learn more. You guys probably listen to a lot of the same music, I would think, but does anyone in the band have notably different tastes? I'd say Kellen. Yeah? <laughs> I, I listen to a lot of stuff that if I put on in the van, I'm sure everyone would tell me to turn it off. <laughs> Parker's pretty into rap too, which I think not, it, not that any of us don't like it, but he's definitely more, more into uh, it. Identified into that. Okay. Whole scene. Yeah. I listened to some weird stuff. I think at the time too, it's funny. Cause when I joined the band, I was like, like super into metal or some shit. <laughs> like I was just, I mean, we listened to a lot of the same bands, but as an aside, I was probably trying to learn like Black Dahlia murder songs and things like that. Yeah. So, so what were what were you guys referencing for Kellen? Like, what's what's different about his taste? What kind he of likes stuff? a lot of like loud punk music. I, I don't know. Like, that's that's very that's very broad. But there's some shit that like the songs are like you know, thirty five seconds long and. Okay. Kellen? I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I like I like a lot of yeah, just noisy stuff. So. I remember you really liking Fall of Troy and that being like a, a mind explosion to me hearing that and be like, what the hell is that? Yeah, <laughs> at that time, yeah, I was into it. I wonder how I'd feel about it now. But but I just it was just kind of spastic and like loud and noisy. I listened to a lot of stuff at the time okay. like that. So. All right, on a scale of 1 to 10, how well does the story so far get along? Pretty good. Say, Seems uh, like it. I'd say a 10. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah, now. We have our moments of like an 8. But <laughs> we've had our, we've certainly had our lower moments, but I think in general, I think actually after getting a sense of a, have a lot of other bands work, I think even our lowest moments were really not that low. Yeah. We're probably, we're, and, and now I think we're, we're probably 
as cohesive as we've ever been as far as our kind of openness with each other and our relationship as a band. So I'd agree with Will. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty fortunate. But you, th- you think relative to so many bands that spend, you know, tour with each other every year, I think there's a lot of discord in a lot of bands. So that's good to hear. Yeah, I think there's a lot of bands where if they if a one guy saw the other guy in public, he would like duck and try to hide, you know? <laughs> like, I don't want to see that guy, but I think we all get along pretty well. What would a typical band fight look like? With us or just in yeah. general? Yeah, with you guys. I'd say when it comes to like creating a song while we're like in the room, everyone's instruments are on and everything. And let's like sure. try this transition. And it's like, no, I just don't think, you know, everyone has their own agenda and that's... It's yeah, you know, it's fair. Very common. Working uh, out the creative process. I think that's pretty much yeah. where most of the issues lie, and that's totally natural. Yeah, tensions are highest while writing because everyone has such a high level of investment in it, and they all want it to be because we're all identified with it. So it's trying to find the uh, the middle ground for everyone to be happy. There is. Yep. I think it took us some time to learn how to be like direct with each other too. We communicate way better now, and I think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's like fighting, but it was like something that we definitely had to confront and work on and we have, and it's helped a lot. So what's the story so far as focus right now? (laughs) So, I mean, we had it, we did have a focus and obviously the world's kind of been disrupted. So our, uh, I think our focus right now, honestly, probably has to be as individuals. So everyone's kind of has, has their own things individually happening that, are important to have, I don't know. I mean, nothing we were working on as a band is able to happen right now. So we just kind of have to take a seat and just wait for things to smooth over. Yeah. And I'll say for our listeners, this is April 7th. We're recording on this. The future is completely uh, unknowable right now. So if this comes out in a couple months, I'm not sure what that looks like. Have you guys talked about getting online and doing any sort of like Instagram live thing? No. Nah, that's, nah. Not, that's not really our thing, honestly. It's kind of been played out at this point, I guess. Yeah. Focus it's hard on house projects. Yeah. There's no traveling at this point. So it's yeah, like, and- uh, even if we wanted to all be in the same room, it wouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't even know how people are doing those remote live things. I'm not sure how you deal with the latency. and. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I don't know logistically how we could play live together. Well, I, that's I, why I, we do what we do. Yeah. That's why, we, that's why we're doing this. <laughs> we're not tech guys. <laughs> Yeah. How much do you think the specific stage in your life affects the songs you write and the music you put out? You know, as far as whatever, like lyrical content, the process, experimentation. Whether or not you've been exposed to something or influenced by someone, et cetera. You've, you've had yourself, you know, an experience that has changed you. I think uh, age and time play into everything. Even just like whatever instrument you bought last is for sure going to affect like yeah. how and right next. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny because it's like music is this thing that's accessible at any time, you know, from the date of release. But I think about this sometimes because we get, which doesn't happen so much anymore, but we used to get scrutinized for lyrics that we wrote when we were like 15 or 16. Yeah. And I, I just think it's funny thinking like you didn't ever think you were going to have to, you know. Defend yourself. Not we don't even defend it. It's just like it's like, man, I can't believe this is even on the table. Something we wrote when we were like fifteen or sixteen is like being, you know, put right. up against you when you're like in your twenties because you obviously don't feel the same way and you recognize yourself, you know, that you've kind of grown out of whatever. So, well, that's an interesting point too. Do you think there's 
I don't know. I'm just thinking personally, like early bands, it's like there was no overanalyzing or it was just kind of like you let it flow. It, and now I feel like, I don't know if this is, this is translates to other people, but the writing process takes, takes longer and it's more deliberative. And do you guys feel like you second guess stuff you do more now? Or I think our writing process is just slow in general. Okay. And that's just kind of how it's always been. And we've accepted that. I think it's, so we're having like with social media and stuff like every step of the process now is like so public it's like people are always posting from the studio and stuff like that that's like we've never really been too into that type of stuff but like just having the anticipation behind it get like adds a much different pressure as like a songwriter to like match the identity of like the band and like what people expect versus yeah what you actually here and play yeah are you are you guys working on an album right now kind of sort of not really or were you yeah well we were we in the were. beginning yeah. talks of like finding an engineer slash producer that's as far as we got we took a couple meetings and then you know shit hit the fan so everything's kind of just been put on hold but i think everyone's kind of always writing at home anyways so there's things being you know created yeah will you guys record ideas you have just in your phone or, or something do you have some way of just recording oh that's a cool riff save that for the band there's i think most of us are like on logic or ableton or some kind of software but i i use voice memos every day probably yeah yeah and then, my, so many voice memos yeah for like half of my phone storage is just like those uh loud punk riffs that what was talking about earlier. <laughs> yeah so do you guys miss touring? Do you like touring? It depends where, but I think I think I would I think I would enjoy sitting in a parking lot in Arkansas right now over nothing. Yeah, I I could go for <laughs> a nice parking lot hang. I could I could go for a mall movie theater right now. Oh, dude, a mall day? Mall off day? Maybe get your get a pedicure. Go see a movie. <laughs> I wonder how many of those malls are gonna exist after this. Ooh, that yeah, that's a tough one. Do you think Corn Dog Seven exists after this? I don't know, man. I just think in my darkest hours, like especially now, I think what could I, what would make everything better? I think Corn Dog Seven. Where is this Corn Dog Seven? Amarillo, Texas, my friend. It's, okay. It's, Westgate Mall is that what it's called? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We always stop at this mall. It's like the yeah. It's got this Corn Dog Seven. I don't know why or how it became a thing. But. <laughs> All right. When did you guys actually? What kind of Ernie Ball strings or other gear do you guys use? I use the beefy slinkies. Okay. Uh, but I also use a 22 wound for the G. I'm on power slinkies, I think. Yeah. The purple, purple package. package. Yep. Yeah. Straight out of the back. Yeah, yeah. I think I use is it the hybrids, the orange package. Your hybrid. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I also but I also play uh Music Man Stingrays live. So nice. Nice. I'm I'm on. I'm on the ball. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, what color Stingray do you have? I got a few. I have a so actually, um, Thomas down at the shop is also a huge Sharks fan. Uh, he's a San Jose Sharks fan, and okay, uh, yeah, he he custom built me a San Jose Sharks bit. <laughs> nice, which is pretty rad. So it's got like the jersey colors and like a racing stripe, and then I have uh, I have a white one, a green one, and a baby blue one. I think so. Nice collection. Yeah. Yeah. So no, thank you guys. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Glad we can help. All right. Kevin, Will, and Kellen. 
Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for tuning in to Striking a Chord and Ernie Ball Podcast. Thanks, Kellen, Kevin, and Will. I hope you continue to tackle home improvement projects since the interview. If anybody would like to contact us, please email us at strikingaccord at ernieball.com. Hello. Will. Kellen. What's up? Dude, just hanging out, man. How you doing? <laughs> well, doing the same thing. Nice, man. Hey, there he is. Hey, Will. My name's Evan. Hi, Evan. Nice to meet you. Nice right. to meet you as well, well. Maybe I should put my video on too. Yeah, let's get right. it, man. Um, let's get nice and personal. Whoa. Hey, there he is. There's a, there's a face. Kev. Yeah. What's up? What's up, my dudes? Hey, hey Kev. Kevin.